Welcome to Cancelled. Hello. We did it. We did it. We did it. We, I mean, we fucking did it. This is a lot of episodes of Briscoe County Jr. It's a lot. We watched every one of them. I think what's weird is one of our shortest episodes, I think, is the one where we talked about the most episodes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Valid point. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, that's Michael Folk. I'm Chris Cubis. This is the final episode of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. I have to say, while I enjoyed these episodes in a way of like, oh, these are fucking weird and kind of dumb, I am disappointed that this is how this series ends. I like these episodes more than I liked last week's episodes. Agreed. Agreed. By far, actually. Agreed. Like, because they're just decidedly kooky. They're so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This Bad Luck Betty, Ooh, I... It's it's live action Scooby Doo. I would be totally fine if so much of this series was uh, if there was a series that was like this, which was like lighthearted but like spooky. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. It, I, I, this episode reminded me very much of uh, Eerie Indiana, another show we've mm-hmm. done on the podcast. In that it's like, yeah, it's lighthearted. There's not like, I mean, there is stakes. That guy died, gets murdered, but. It's also like just kind of oh this uh, there's a lot of silly to be had uh, yeah, uh-huh. a junk load of silly yeah like the town is I love that the okay we'll knock out the the initial premise real fast and then we'll move it along sure so breaking it down uh, it's pool it's Socrates birthday uh, he is kidnapped from the birthday party he is tracked by Briscoe and Bowler to a small town called Midnightville population strange which I enjoyed very much on the sign. Uh, and they have to try to find him. There's weird goings on in this town. Uh, we'll get to the details from there. The birthday party, I there was a couple things I enjoyed. One, they're drinking like what looks like Kool-Aid. There's some sort of just red punch. I yeah. don't know what they would have had in the Old West desert town, or I guess in San Francisco, that would be so red, that's so like chemically red. Yeah, I wonder. Now, this is another um, thing that I feel like Claire would know. Claire might know. Claire, I'm sorry. Um, You've become an intern. So uh, fucking canceled right but, now. Um, so at one point, did we start having like powdered? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be. I, I'm guessing the 1900s sometimes. I, guess. I can't imagine. But I mean, you could also like make a jelly and dry it sure, and then sure, chop sure. it up and then mix it with water. I Absolutely don't know. true. Well, it's also like true that... you make cocaine. <laughs> I like, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cutting up fat rails of dry jelly. Just, uh, oh, just diabetic cocaine. Super stepped on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just cut that jelly with some Comet. Um, so. I, uh, uh, what, what I do know for a fact is that what we think they drank in the Old West is actually horseshit. With the Western, it's like, oh, they all drank beer and whiskey. No, no one drank whiskey. It was, because it was like everything was such low quality. It was rot gut. That's where the term comes from. They drank a ton of like champagne cocktails oh. and like fucking, I want to say maybe it's either the, it's probably not the screwdriver, but maybe the uh, mimosa, I think was a, like an invention of the old West. All their, co- all their actual drinking back then was like, Real cocktail heavy and real fruity, and, and, yeah, real like fruity and shit. Which, like, am I, I fruity? I mean, actual pieces of fruit. Uh, I'm not assigning masculinity to a fucking beverage. Sure, just saying that they <laughs> used actual fruit. Um, that was an accidental shitty gay joke. I'm gonna jump ahead for a minute and come right back. We'll talk about it when we get there. I feel like 
fucking high treason has a bunch of weird gay undertones going on that are completely unnecessary. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's one. Yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Because I, I paused it and went back and I was like, <laughs> like did they? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we can't shoot somebody in this, but we can say that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Socrates' birthday, they're drinking some punch. They're drinking some punch and having a good time. There's, uh, they've set up a girl to jump out of a cake to kiss him at midnight or whatever. The lights go out. He's kidnapped. Interesting thing about those cakes. So in what they really are, so they're still edible, is that like the top portion normally is cake. Is actual cake. And then the, and rest, then the rest is an apparatus. Okay. Yeah. Or like, or there is like a layer that is a cake oh, that is put together and then the rest is an apparatus. And like, I was talking to my friend that does burlesque, uh, uh, Avital Isaacs about yeah. like what goes into being a sexy cake lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would imagine a part of it is being small enough to fit in the cake. Like, it's being small so that you don't have to make the cake super big, because that's where the expense is. Oh, no, see, I think, I think that, like, they can make cakes in all sizes real quick. Of course because, they can. Like, it like, just seems like it would be more work. Sure, in the Old West especially. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we have the easy mold. Bendy, like, the stuff yeah. that's in the back of it's Ikea more plastic. Shelves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh so he's kidnapped. Briscoe and and uh, and Bowler track him, like you say, to the town of Midnightville, population strange, where we meet the titular Bad Luck Betty almost right away. I am so perplexed by her voice. She is making such a decision with such an actor's choice in this episode to sound like. She's doing it's like she's trying to do a well there, partner, like old western voice with a hint of molestation victim. You ever like you ever listen to um uh uh what the fuck was this show with Dr. Drew and Adam Corolla uh, Love Lines? Sure, they when Dr. I was a kid, yeah, yeah, when I was a kid, I fucking lose listening to this as an adult, but uh. Dr. Drew always used to say, if you listen to people who were molested, they're kind of frozen in time at the age they were molested. So they'll have these girls that call in and they have like, they sound like they're six years old, but they're 22. Sure. She has a hint of that mixed into her fucking weird old West accent. It kind of made me think of like a character from Ah, Real Monsters. <laughs> I've never seen that, but I liked it. But it was like, she was sort of putting on like, sort of like a. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was like it was very strange. Everything about her is strange. She and also somehow she is simultaneously a terrible actress and one of the most appealing things on the show. Yeah, you know, sure. like, she's, she's doing the thing. Yeah, she's like we've said before, where like the vil- the characters work, particularly villains, but in, just in general characters work. Uh, the most on this show when they are like fucking giving it their all when they yeah. are just going way over the top with it, which and I like. She is definitely ones. doing that. I do like that we've seen a lot of Pete, and we do see a lot of Pete. In we have Pete all the way through, and I fucking love Pete. Yeah, Pete's favorite. great. Um, yeah, Pete gets a lot of work in the next two episodes. Uh, we find out that they call her Bad Luck Betty because one, she has she's clumsy as shit essentially, and two, she's very superstitious. So we see a train conductor yelling at this kid because he threw a rock through the train window and broke a mirror. And she's like, oh, that's worth I'm going to let him go. That's enough. Like, that's enough punishment. He's got seven years bad luck or whatever. Um, There is a lot of wheat. Like, picture a hot. First off, this is like the Halloween episode, right? It feels like very much like the Halloween. What would be a Halloween episode. There is so much 
like okay, there's kooky, spooky shit, right? Which makes yeah. this feel like the Halloween episode. There's a uh, what's supposed to be a man who's dead who has come back from the dead. This is the most fucking uh, uh, Scooby Doo I think maybe of all these episodes. Oh, for sure. Uh, who shows up and takes people away, and he, we believe he's dead. He's got a, a, a hearse with no horse that also doesn't leave any tracks. He's got like it's very like that kind of spooky shit. But then also just fucking weird, unnecessary. Like, there's a so we meet the, the actual sheriff. See, Bad Luck Betty is like the acting sheriff. Deputy. Deputy. She's the deputy. The actual sheriff is in a full body cast because she like knocked him out a fucking window or some shit. He is stuck in bed. We then meet another woman named Miss Van Allen who comes to visit him and just starts talking about how pretty his feet are. That was strange. <laughs> he, it, it, like out of nowhere, he, she's like just playing with his toes and talking about how pretty his feet are. Uh, and it's like, that's not spooky. It's just you're adding a layer of fetishism to this episode that doesn't fit. Which I think is just under population strange. Like, everyone in this town is kind of weird. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, They've brought Whip Morgan with him, because Whip has said he can identify the person who took Socrates. However, he can only identify him by smell, because he had a very weird smell. Uh, he go. He gets uh, the rooms at the boarding house, which is actually the funeral home, and it's like revealed by she picks up the sign that he picks up the sign that says boarding house, and underneath it is funeral home. I enjoyed that very much. It was very silly. It's super. There's so much silly. I can't even like. There's so uh, okay. Uh, his her father, who used to run the funeral home, has been. Uh, hung because supposedly he killed her mother. And you know who she is, right? I've seen her in shit and I can't place it. So she is Ross's oh right, wife like from on friends. friends. Yes, yes, yes. That's and so exactly. As soon as and I, I know friends front to back. <laughs> back to front. I know yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could kill anyone in trivia on it okay. because I have you know a problem. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but as soon as she showed up, I was like Carol. Um, and yeah, so. Uh, that's uh, Carol from Friends. Carol and Susan. Uh, yeah, Carol and Susan. Right, right. So Carol runs a funeral home. Her father used to, or runs a boarding home now. It used to be the funeral home that her father ran, who uh, has been hung, and who we everyone says, oh, that's the guy who's going around picking up. I saw him. It was him, but he's been dead. Ugh. So uh, we're kind of mixing like Headless Horseman mythology. A little bit. And then with a little bit of Psycho. Oh, total Psycho by the end. Uh, spoiler alert. It's also her. here, like because like the oh, shower. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's first off, the dad invented the concept of the shower. He calls it a rain bath, which is the coming thing. Which is definitely the coming thing. Uh, a lot of coming things in these next two episodes. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm glad that worked. Yeah. Um, he uh, uh, there's a lot. So the sheriff gets taken. We find out that Poole used to be the lawyer in this town. Socrates used to be the lawyer in this town. And uh, whoever is behind the reappearance of this dead man has kidnapped him so that he can saw, serve as a lawyer. Because he says that he was hung unfairly. He was innocent. And as such, he's going to have trials for all the people that helped put him away. Uh, I've seen that plot done a lot of, th- a lot of times. Sure. Um, an interesting enough way, I enjoyed it. It was like a fun trope to add to this episode. Well, and we're getting this weird, like, dead guy, sort of, like, shadowy, like... Ah, yeah, yeah, ah, he's, he definitely has a, like... He's dressed like the Phantom of the Opera, yeah. minus the face thing. You just don't see his face, but he's got this big top hat and the cape and all that shit. Uh, but then he also does talk like this, very fucking growly and spooky. Uh-huh. Um, 
there's a couple of moments of like, so uh, Briscoe goes to take a shower and he's almost attacked and he's like burned by the hot water in the shower. Um, Miss Van Allen, the foot lady, gets taken by this guy as well. So he takes the he takes the sheriff who's in the body cast. And we find out that his biggest fear is being buried alive, so he is buried alive. Yeah. They put him in a casket in the guy's grave site. He's dead. They try to kill Miss Van Allen, whose greatest fear is water, by sticking her in a leaky boat all tied up, but they manage to save her. Um, there's a weird character who shows up and just tells everybody their weight. He's like the groundskeeper for the cemetery. Yeah, he he's used to picking up bodies. Yeah, so he's, able, he's dragged a lot of bodies, so he's able to tell you what you weigh. Which is just an, it's like an interesting character trait to have, because he starts every sentence by just going 175 and then talking to the person. Yeah. It's really like, It's like a, it's sort of like a Rain Man, like, uh, autism spectrum. It's very, uh, tick. it's very asperger for certain. Um, oh, I wanted to say also with, so like the shower scene where like, that... the director of this one was like, I'm doing a thing. Yeah. Um, because like, in the shower... Briscoe takes his coffee into the shower with him. Yes, he does. Um, So that way, whenever the he burns himself and like grabs the shower curtain and pulls it down, like Janet Lee did in Psycho, he spills his shower coffee, (laughs) which does the blood in the drain effect that you know from like Hitchcock's. And I was like. That's the only way you could do it. I mean, a lot like, of work. A lot like, of work to get to that. Why bring his coffee? Who brings their coffee in the shower? I have drank a beer in the shower. That's very different. Yes. I've, and I've heard... I've never drank a glass of beer in the shower, which is why it's weird. A can, it's not so open. You're not going to get so much sure. water. And I think that, like, in a bath, sure. for sure. A whole other thing. But he's, like, under the shower, and there's, like, water... Just pouring his into his coffee cup, and he's just like, mm. <laughs> "It's so strange to me." Well, because it's I mean, like you said, it's done for that exact purpose, and he couldn't think of a single other way. Like, what other item could he get in there besides blood that it would be dark enough to do the swirly thing in the drain? Yes, and it's like literally, I don't know, shampoo. Like, have have the guy invent some weird shampoo as well. That makes more sense to me than bringing a cup, a mug of coffee into the shower. Or, like, maybe he, like, knocks it off the counter. I don't know. It's just weird that he has it in the... Anywho, I know that's a tangent. No, but... it's a perfectly good tangent and a perfectly reasonable tangent. And we see that weird guy in the crawlspace house. Yeah, the, the, the guy that does the weight, he lives in the crawlspace house, right? Right. Um, he's just... But he, he's genuinely weird, but, fair, like... He keeps showing. There's a couple shots when I, I, I picked out 100%. He like there's a couple moments where he like you see him at first before you find out who he is, and he's like peering in the curtains of the house uh, of like the the funeral home or whatever. Uh-huh. And they it's like maybe two or three separate occasions where that happens. They use the same exact shot for all three instances. Like they don't shoot three takes of that. They use the same take even though I it's separated by oh yeah. It's <laughs> the same take separated by like a day. Um he's weird. There's a couple weird choices that they make. So there's this this hearse that doesn't yeah. Okay, so there's a guy who lives in a weird crawl space house. They show up to interview him because he's a witness and when they go to walk to the front door they go, No, no, not there, there and they point to like the root cellar. They crawl down through this crawl space, and when they go, they go down the root cellar. The woman says, oh, "It's actually quite nice if you like Victorian." Uh, and then they crawl into like a an actual crawl space, like a tunnel. They're not just in the basement. It's not like he lives in the basement, but it's decorated nice. He's just in a tunnel. Like it's like 
they have to crawl on their hands. Feet. They have to crawl on their hands and knees to get. Yeah, but into it's furnished. It. But it's also furnished. Yeah, <laughs> I like that very much for some reason. Uh, and he just lives down there, and he tells them about the the weird hearse with no horse. Uh, which, when that shows up and chases Briscoe and Bowler, it is the f- I laughed so hard because clearly they were only able to get this hearse thing to go at a very slow rate. But they still have to run like their life like depends sure. on it while not getting away from him. So they're like pumping their knees but not moving forward. Uh-huh. And it is the phoniest looking fight. And they're like looking over the shoulder like, ah! But they look the most cartoony, phony shit in the world. Um, we find out that that, uh, that wagon is powered by batteries. How they just have big batteries, I don't understand, but whatever. Yeah. Now, granted, batteries go back to, like, ancient Egyptian times. They used to make these weird vases with, like, a copper thing and some sort of liquid in it that would make a very small amount of electricity, whatever. They've had the idea of the battery for a long time. I do not think they had batteries that could run a fucking carriage like that, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's really strange. I mean, not only does it run the carriage, it has brushes behind the wheels of the carriage that spin that erase its tracks and that's why they can't find any tracks i feel like those brushes would leave their own tracks (laughs) like there would be a weird circular moving like just a thicker line behind sure the wheel yeah or something stranger you would see like it would be like it would look like someone like wiped yeah. dust out of the way. It's not just back to normal. Well, the other there's another moment in this, and this is like a trope throughout it. Is like whenever they get to the basement hidden layer, right? And just a little bit, it's and it's through a trap door, sure. And the trap door is covered in dirt, and the only reason they find it is because of like uh, stomping and like yeah, you know finding the spot. It's implied that the trapdoor was used recently. Multiple times. So how How do bad guys do it? How do they get the dust back on top of the trapdoor? I don't don't know how they do it while they're still in the thing. Yeah, like when you leave. If you leave, you you sprinkle some dust on it, and you're good to go. But But how do you go back down and then also dust? Who knows? Uh, I feel like maybe there's some sort of like... So the door is up, and it's rigged to some sort of thing that when you pull the door back down, it pulls dust out. But then you'd need the thing that it was attached to. Eh, who knows? I don't know. Here's what I know. <laughs> Here's what I know for a fact. Not enough trap doors in my, in my life, if I'm being honest. Oh, for sure. I went to Vigilante Game Bar. Uh, we were just, me and Maris, we were just recently there. I was I there last night. Um, and they have that secret room. Do you know about the secret room? I do not know about the secret room. Okay, so there's a secret room for, like, private parties or people that are in, like, their, like, gamers Dude. elite club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, the bookshelves, all the games? Right. Oh. Those are a door. Oh, that's so dope. And there's, like, a hidden room back there. Sorry for blowing up your spot, vigilante. Sorry, vigilante. Uh, but like it, like the whole wall opens up, and That's then like, awesome. and it opened, and they didn't close it all the way, and like I ran over and looked, <laughs> and then like there were people in there, and they looked at me, and I was like, <laughs> 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 like I, I got two. those are the That's the least. awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. anywho, uh, I like that bar. By the way, shout out to Vigilante Game Bar. It's, fun. it's super fun. I wish they had full bar. They only have beer and wine. I'm an alcoholic, but that being said, I thoroughly enjoyed. Sure, I enjoyed my time. I like the. The way you pick the games. I'm just trying to get some free fucking vigilante. Game vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Also, you can BYO game. I brought my oh, own game. Yeah. What game? I brought in. Uh, it's a new Rick and Morty card game okay. called. Uh, uh, oh, 
what is it called? It's basically you. Pl- it's a card game version of the thing, but with Rick and Morty. So you have like all these characters from Rick and Morty, right? And underneath them, you either put real or parasite, and you don't know what you put under there, Ooh. and you have to like do different things as a team to figure oh, out wow. who's a parasite or I'm not. Mid- that's pretty fun. Yeah. It's really fun. It's like fifteen bucks at oh, uh, uh, Outlaw Moon. Yeah, yeah, Outlaw Moon. The Outlaw game Moon. Store. Shout out to Outlaw, Outlaw Moon. Moon. Super fun. Uh, I bought. Uh, Ticket to Ride there, and I believe that's Catan uh, History Settlers of America that I bought there as well. This is our plug episode. Plugging <laughs> shit hard. We played a game at uh, Vigilante called Gloom, which <gasps> I, was fun. pretty fun game. I feel like, like we only had, it was just me and Maris, so I think with more players it would be a little more dynamic. But uh, super fun game. I enjoyed yeah. it. Great. Great games. Trapdoors. <laughs> Trapdoors. Uh... <laughs> The other so there's a trial going on down in the basement. They the, find the weird zombie man. The weird zombie man is something. What I actually enjoyed was the whole time, like when they've seen like Socrates having to defend these people. Uh, the weird zombie man is like at this fucking judge's desk or whatever, and you hear this voice, but you never see his face. He's all covered in shadow and whatever. Uh, when we get there, we reveal this is the psycho bit. She's just uh, so spoiler alert. It's the it's the daughter, the guy of the guy who ran the funeral home. She runs the Browning House. She's yeah. the bad guy. Ross's she, ex-wife from Friends. Ross's ex-wife from Friends. Carol. She has dug up his corpse, put a coat on it, and is just dragging it around town. Well, <laughs> and she has a me. matching outfit for herself. She does, which I liked. I kind of yeah, I it was appreciate like, it. Like, it's like a little daddy-daughter, like, paper moon kind of like. <laughs> What's that fucking weird uh, Oath Keeper shit where the daughter, like, like, the dad is to, like, marry the daughter until she's 18? I don't know that at all. Oh, it's this weird, creepy fucking... It's one of those weird, creepy Christian things where it's like, uh, I pledge... My, like the daughter pledges to like not fuck anybody until she's married or whatever, Whoa. and the dad pledges to like protect her. It's re- and there's dances. I'm gonna Google this. Google it. It's creepy as shit. That's dope. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I also like that she's been doing this fucking weird voice. She's been putting on this like ah! like, but it's it's deep. Her voice like the everyone's doing voice. a lot of voice work in this. Like really the most. But what's fun is she is not just like. She's gone full psycho and is like split personality. Uh-huh. She's having conversations with her dad as herself, like back doing both sides yes. of the conversation. Which we do know, in case you don't, is not how split personalities Absolutely work. Absolutely not. It also, split personalities almost never exist. Yeah. <laughs> any version of that that you see in anything, including the M. Night Shyamalan movie yeah, yeah, Split, yeah, yeah. 100% fictitious. Of course, complete horse. And I feel like they show up so often that people are like, oh, yeah, that can happen to people. And it's like, no, absolutely no. not. Not, not so that's much. not what's up. There has there is like disassociation that for happens sure. from extreme trauma and abuse, but that's not like oh I'm Carol now. Like, yeah, it's just fucking stupid. Uh, they catch her, uh, you know, red handed. Whatever she's gonna hang. Uh, Whip. By the way, Whip Morgan's in this episode. I every the only note I have in all three episodes for Whip Morgan is I hate Whip Morgan. I just <laughs> I don't like him, and I've written it on all three sets of notes. I just don't like him. Uh, I don't think he's an interesting actor. I don't think the character is particularly interesting. He, like, I would rather every role he has be filled with Pete. Like, just everything I, I would rather. Yeah, sure, or Dixie. I don't know. I, I get what he's supposed to be. I get why he's there, and I get it. I just don't care. I just don't like it. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, he's supposed, he's supposed to be, which is annoying. He's supposed to be 
like a Han Solo or like a right. Gambit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Sort just, of wild card badass. Yeah, like like sort of morally uh, gray. Yeah, he's, he's just, just an idiot. He's just he's boring just an, and and also bad at everything. Yeah. Like every time he's like has a thing or is like, oh, he's the guy that's gonna like you know save the day or whatever. He fucks it up. He yeah. stinks. Uh, there's a couple funny lines here that I like. Uh, she when crazy split personality lady runs for it and they have to chase her. Uh, they ask bad luck Betty which way she went and she goes where'd she go and he goes Phys-, she goes physically that way mentally who knows I just thought, like that's unnecessary but it made me laugh it's very uh, it's very like uh, feels like borscht belt comedy yeah or something. it's delivered very much that way too like uh, like she might as well have like adjusted her tie when she said it. yeah uh, they catch her it's fine um they hope she gets the help she needs because she is clearly well the other story that we're missing is she murdered her mother the reason the father got arrested convicted of murdering her mother she's the one that murdered the mother and went crazy through guilt for all the years after okay i think i kind of missed that yeah she says it in like when she's in that conversation that she's having with herself okay she kind of explains it in that to briscoe but yeah, she had gotten in some big fight with the mother, killed the mother. The father took the blame, got got blamed for it, and she just let him take the blame. Oh, and this is like an the, SVU episode. And the guilt has driven her mad, and that's why she now has split personality. Yeah, which that's... is a hundred percent not how split personality works. No, it doesn't happen via guilt. But it does. It does. That does feel like the modern police procedurals, where it's like someone you met early on, and then it's like, sure. oh, she of course, killed the mom yeah, because boom, boom, yeah, exactly. Um, I I like that episode very much. It's not the best written, you know what I mean. It's not like the the most interesting story, but it has the most like fun shit happening. It made me think of uh the bounty hunter convention. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which yeah. is like very like this like, throwback Indians, to yeah. yeah this throwback to a classic thriller, not quite horror, but right. thriller. Yeah, for sure. Felt like uh, like Vincent Price should be popping up somewhere. Sure, that would be great. Yeah. Also, I'm a little annoyed Vincent Price was never on this show. I think he was already dead. Okay, that I makes sense. He, I don't remember when he died. He died during Edward Scissorhands. Oh, okay. So I think that was like 91. One, sure. Okay. Which is I could have I could know how to do math, but I know these things. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we've brought this up before. I just re- noticed today, Julius Carey's dead. Bowler? What? Yeah, he died in like 2008, 2009 of uh, pancreatic cancer. I went to his Wikipedia page. I'm like, oh, he's got to be doing something now. Nope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bummer. He was like 52, 53 years old. Something like that. Bum me out. It's rough out there. It's fucking rough out there for a bowler. Uh, this brings us to the season finale. Two-parter. I'm still like processing this. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean to bum you out. Well, also this this also did feature a a uh, yeah, yeah. half naked bowler, half naked Briscoe scene. Sure, that also that in uh, Bad Luck Betty. Yeah, in Bad Luck Betty. <laughs> and it's a little weird because like so he it's right after the shower scene and Briscoe like gets out and he's got the, the shower curtain wrapped around him, or whatever. But then he drops it to get dressed and Bowler freaks out. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing? Don't fucking get naked in front of me like that or whatever. Give me some warning or whatever." And it's like, man, I don't like. 
You guys are on the fucking trail all, all the time. You've yeah. never seen his dick, like... Yeah, also, I've seen Brokeback Mountain. I know what cowboys do. <laughs> like, I know, maybe you closed your eyes during it, but right. yeah, yeah, it yeah, still yeah. happened. You bro. don't touch the beard or whatever to convince yourself, but I get it. Um, um, there's a lot of trials in these episodes. These are both very trials. Both of these episodes are very trial-based. I mean, the one is, is a supernatural spook trial, but... High Treason, uh-huh. parts one and two, a two-parter. I do kind of find it interesting that the only other two-parter is the pilot. So it's the first episodes and the last episodes are two-parters, like that structure. Um, who? Okay. So we'll break down the, the real basic fucking uh, plot here. Briscoe and Bowler have been set up uh, to have committed High Treason... On against the government, and they have been ca- the, oh, the part one starts with them being captured, and they have to go stand trial for high treason. And most of the episode is told through flashback. Most of this episode is told through flashback at the trial, uh, where they kind of tell you, like uh, they ask a question, and then we get the flashback that sort of answers that question. Yeah. Uh, a few things of note: uh, special guest star Terry Bradshaw, uh, the football player, plays a. Like, I don't know, he's a lieutenant, a sergeant. There's a lot of football shit in this. Well, there's what I've realized when you get into the next episode, and Brad, so Terry Bradshaw's the football player. He plays this, like, corrupt uh, sergeant or something under this corrupt general. Uh, In the second episode, he gets this, like, posse together to go chase down Bowler and Briscoe. Uh, All of the posse are football players. Yeah, and they are all. Terrible actors. Terry Bradshaw may be, and I'm going to say something, this is a bold statement. But I'm going to say it, and I believe it to be true. Terry Bradshaw may be the worst actor to appear in the entire 27-episode run of this television sure. series. There is a moment where he is standing still and not saying anything. He's just listening to someone else talk, and he's bad at that. Like, he's, <laughs> like as he's standing listening to a side of the conversation, he's like... Tense and acting, he's like you can see him acting like he's standing still and listening when he could just stand still and listen. Sure. It is, it, it, he is. Every single line he delivers is is stilted and and emotionless. It's just, it's real bad. It's such a weird choice, and I guess like was Terry Bradshaw like a big deal? Huge then? name. I believe he was probably I I'm if I'm not mistaken, I'm not a huge football guy, but if I'm not mistaken, he was the um one of the like hosts or announcers or whatever from Monday Night Football. Okay. He was like a big deal. Has been forever. Like he was a huge superstar football player and has gone on to be like a superstar announcer and, and okay. commentator or whatever. Um still to this day, I'm pretty sure he's still on like Fox or whatever has football. Uh, so I get the idea of like, oh, this is a pretty bit, particularly for a show of this sort of level, it's a big get for a guest star. Uh, but man, maybe figure out, maybe make him a mute or something, because he is <laughs> fucking bad. Uh, another a little note, uh, when they first go to trial, there's a black guy that reads sort of the complaint, the pl- like, you know, people versus whatever, sure. describes the charges. That man, Michael Jace, would go on to be on a TV show called The Shield. Uh, okay. He's on the whole run of that. He would then go on to murder his wife. <gasps> yeah. In real uh, life? In real life, murdered his wife. He's currently serving 40 years to life in prison. <gasps> Interesting little tidbits abound. They're sure. all fucking dark and depressing, every one of them. It's, uh, bowler's dead and this man murdered his wife. I don't know. 
I wonder if Michael Chiklis knows or like knew. <laughs> well, I watched The Shield. I feel like Michael Chiklis would help them cover it up. That's what that show. Well, but that character, yeah, 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 yeah but yeah. like. I don't know. Uh, I think real life Michael Chiklis is probably a sweet boy. I always used to think that Michael Chiklis, for a long time, I thought Michael Chiklis was, uh, oh, what, uh, what the fuck's his name? Uncle Billy's, Uncle Crazy's, uh, the fucking crazy guy who lives in Austin now, who was like a fucking comic on a, had a sitcom in the 80s. Oh, I don't know at all. You don't know anything about Bill Kirkenbauer? No. Okay. Uh, we'll talk after. Okay, this. cool. Uh, Bill Kirkenbauer is a, comedian sure. that lives in Austin and is like a star of the vendetta against Cap City and a bunch of people because oh, wow. he's like they only book amateurs and I'm a professional I had a sitcom in 1983 weird uh, I have a weird I Michael Chiklis is another person that I have like a weird like I guess you uh, like crush on like I, I kind of get it he's like a rough and tumble whatever I think that he looks amazing with his, like, clothes off. He's, like, stocky and big. But yeah, then I yeah, think about yeah, it, and I'm, I'm like, you also look like a big toe. You know what I mean? Does, like, he does look like a big toe. Yeah. Uh, um, I like this episode very much. It's fun. It's super fun. Uh, it seems like everyone... And so this is directed by Kim Manners, who did a bunch of X-Files. Okay, that makes so, sense. So, like, this was, like, while this was going on... he's on. He wrote or directed a couple other episodes in Briscoe. Right. But I noticed this one was... Helm by Kim Manners, and they they are dead now. They, I, I believe, yeah. Uh, but they did like a shit ton of X Files. Right on, that makes. Sense. And this feels like an episode that has all of its wheels turning. Well, and absolutely. What's weird about this episode and both of these episodes to me is they are at times deadly serious. Uh, Briscoe and Bowler are on trial for their life and taking it very seriously uh, because they lose, and at the, also at the same time, completely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Briscoe and Bowler have been hired by this general to go down to Mexico to free this kidnapped woman. There's this big tension, as it's been through the whole run of this series, which I actually think is an interesting note to keep bringing back and sort of tie through a lot of these episodes, this, like, tension between Mexico and America. And I get that's just time. It's just timely in the history. Yeah. But it does show a little bit of, like, oh, this is a continuing story. Exactly, which I like. Uh, when they get there, they find out that she is not being held hostage. She's actually left to marry this guy that she's in love with. And this Mexican guy is being framed by the general uh, for having done all these raids on American border towns. He's kind of a rebel, but not even really. And he's being set up by this general as having done all these raids on American border towns because the general wants to run for president and if he can make the current president look bad by him not doing anything about this Mexican threat, then he can come in, be the big hero, and then no yeah. one, the, all people want in the president is a hero, he'll win the election. And I was like, as I was watching, I was like, Bleh. yeah, I'm because sure. like I get know. through it. I just want the fun shit. Well, no, I mean, just because like I was like, this is so anytime it's now, a little, anytime, little trumpy. it's a little too close to home about <laughs> stuff. I was just like. Yeah. And like the way, yeah. Oh, let's let's make the enemy the Mexicans and prey on yeah. people's fear. Yeah, for right. Sure. Where it was like in those Trump and then the, mm. they're taking jobs and then and and also like being like Obama's been really like, like yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. It look like he was like not paying attention to all these things. And I'm like, oh god, I hate our system. <laughs> I hate every aspect of our system. Yeah, it's pretty hateful. I don't know. Um, well, okay. I also want to address one thing when they when we first meet the general. Why is he dressed like that? Like, everybody's wearing your classic 
like Civil War era army uniforms. Yes. Blue, whatever, wool coats, the pants. The general is wearing a fringed black leather jacket, shiny ass pants and boots, but those things also have the ins- like army insignias on them. That's not a uniform generals ever wore. I don't think so. No, he he's dressed like like a like a like a Vegas country and western show. You know what I mean? Like sure. real show. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. There is a moment I maybe. I laughed the hardest in I don't know how long on this show. And I've laughed at a lot of shit, but boy, did I laugh at this. So they, they're on trial. They find out that they have this fucking, uh, their public defender essentially has had two trials. He's never had a trial. He's seen one whole trial and yeah. half of another. Which I, which I kind of enjoyed him saying, oh, I saw one whole one and then a half. Uh, Socrates shows up. To aid the defense. And he had to go through some thing to get like paperwork to say that he can or whatever. But he's like, Socrates Pool, aiding the defense. I brought my own chair. And he just shows up with a chair. I don't know why that's in there. It doesn't make sense. They could have, they're in a whole like courtroom tent. There's lots of chairs, but he's very proud of the fact that he brought his own chair. I, I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. I wonder if it's like an inside bit or like or like has some historical significance or something that's like, well, you had to like bring chairs or like you couldn't be a lawyer. I, I don't know. Like, because I'm like, it was very pronounced. It's he's very proud of it. Like, his shoulders are up. He's so proud of well, it. Well, and then there's like, so in the trial soon after, we have Pete show up. Pete shows up. Peter Leviticus Hutter. There is so dope. Okay, there is so much weird gay I don't want to say humor because it's like they're attempting jokes, but some of it just feels shitty. But like just sort of moments or references. Like Leviticus, right? Not great. Isn't that the Bible, book of the Bible that they say is against gay people? Am I wrong? Oh, I don't know the Bible that well. I, I don't was. know the Bible at all. I know it's a trash book, but <laughs> I believe it's it's not well written. It doesn't yeah, it doesn't flow well. Yeah, but I believe sense. that's the one they always quote as okay. like the big anti gay Bible verse. Oh, I mean, I think that there's like five like weird like little things in the Bible that are just sort of like man shouldn't do that. Like, right. It's like yeah. Um, and but then I love that Pete shows up and he br- brought his own Bible. He brought his, well, he's trying to make himself seem as though he is like believable. Yeah, because when he shows up, like, oh, they'll never believe him. He has this, he's a fucking career criminal. But when they go, yeah, he has his, he's got this huge Bible that he's going to swear on, and, and he's speaking in like a very soft yeah. sort of like yeah. with like big doughy eyed, like trying to make himself seem that nice. is accurate. <laughs> like I, I love everything he is doing in this. Um, to keep the trial from being boring, it's like he's he's fun. Uh, so we get a flashback of why Pete's there, and Pete's there because Briscoe has to essentially assemble a team to go down to Mexico and free this woman. Yes, and that team consists of Pete because he has some inside knowledge of the guy or whatever in uh-huh. Mexico. Uh, Professor Wickwire because he has invent. He appears to have invented tying dynamite to an arrow. It's not even a huge invention that he's there for. They just need him to, to help blow shit. Well, he invented the crossbow, I believe. Is he, what... There's no way. The crossbow was from like the 1500s. I know. But, um, or, or like, he, but there is something like... They're better like, than that. And he throws out something about the crossbow or something special yeah. about it. Like a quick load crossbow or something. something. Uh, so uh, Professor Wickwire, Whip Morgan, of course, who I hate. 
And then Elvis the Sheriff is back. Which I don't understand. What is his expertise? Uh, hand-to-hand combat, it appears. Yeah. Because they keep bringing up him. Like, he keeps karate people like Elvis. Uh, I was so confused when he showed up because I thought... It's so weird. I, I, I thought that it would be Dixie like, and like, being like a I fatale or something. I am so mad that... Dixie is not involved in the finale of this series. Yeah, I know they send her they, out to China. They reference her once uh, when Briscoe's about thinks he's about to die. He tells Socrates, "Like, uh, tell Brisco- tell Dixie I was thinking about her." Uh, it bothers me. She needs to be here. It like we're wrapping. Weird. It doesn't feel complete. And I know we kind of wrapped her story up when they sent her off to China, but like she should have showed. They should have been like, "She, uh, I was on the boat, but I couldn't do it, or whatever, or something." She needed to be here. And I wonder if this, like, her absence from a lot of this was because she got busy with 902? Yeah, Melrose or whatever she was on at the time. Yeah, like, if she got, like, caught up in, like, a show that was Could be, like, a better show. Yeah, I get that. Um, So, (laughs) it's a flash. So, Pete's flashback. They go to visit him in a jail cell where he is referred to as, well, so he shows up and he's he's ironing uh, pants. Uh, it annoys me because I'm tiny. One, I don't think they would have an iron in their jail cell. Like it, it seems like a weapon. Fine. This guy, tiny, who's a giant black guy, uh, who tells him like, "Oh, you creased my cuffs again," and he's like, "Now smile." He's clearly they're implying that fucking uh, Pete is Tiny's bitch. Sure. When Pete introduces Tiny to Bowler and Briscoe. He says, this is my longtime cell companion, Tiny. Mm-hmm. Now, longtime companion is longtime speak for homosexual partner. Sure. Right? That's, beho- that's been a thing forever. Before, like, when you would say a celebrity who's not out or whatever, you would say so-and-so and his longtime companion. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, gay reference number two. I'm counting Leviticus, and I'm counting that. Uh, he goes on to, like... He, they offer him a thing, hey, you come help us with this job, you can get a fucking pardon, we'll clear your record or whatever, you get out of jail. So he says, like, I'm coming with you. And he turns around and he starts going off on Tiny. In a very, I thought, well-written, ridiculous soliloquy that I enjoyed very much. It was really fun. Um, then he finds out that, oh, we can't get you out for a couple hours. They leave because they have to talk to the warden. He's left in there with Tiny. And Pete's next line is, as soon as I could ride again... Uh, I caught up with Briscoe and Bowler or whatever. Yes. Implying, obviously, that he was just currently raped a whole bunch in that prison cell. Sure. Yeah, that's what I got from it. It's the like, only thing to get from it. Because it was like, you could say, like, oh, yeah, he got, he got beat, beat up. up. No. But like, no, I think his booty got beat his up. His booty clearly got beat up because he is visibly fine. Yeah. Like, no part of him is bruised. He's not, no part of his, like... His arms aren't broken. He doesn't have a black eye. His butt got beat up. Which felt like such a weird reference in a show that has otherwise leaned into being for all ages. Super family friendly for the most part. Yeah, it's so weird. And particularly that sequence, it's like four or five, like, or four gay, like, references right in a row out of nowhere. It's, and, and like, a couple of them are subtle. Like, I'll give longtime cell companion. You kind of have to know the catch, the, the catch on to that one. Uh, Leviticus or whatever. But that booty hole one, boy, oh boy, is right there. Yeah, it's definitely strange. But, I mean, like, you think about it, like, 
all the shows were able to throw around this like really homophobic rhetoric sure. not that long ago. Like, yeah, absolutely right. This is not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. Nah, like it's like uh, twenty. Let's do my bar my bar, bar numbers. Like twenty five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It just it, that whole sequence bothered me. Uh, there's a great. I do like this. I Pete has all these lines of like. Uh, Kind of speaking, it's a character trait he has where he tries to use big words, but like try to use a lot of polysyllabic words to sound smart or whatever. But uh, at one point, they like Socrates is like, So, why should we believe you? You've been a fucking inveterate criminal your whole life. Uh, there isn't a law you haven't broken or whatever. And he, like, he, I like very much that he, he puts the Bible on the ground, slides it away from himself, and then testifies like he's scared to lie while holding the Bible. And he sli- puts his hand up and says, I have never violated any agricultural quarantine laws. <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah, I, like, I really like that a lot. It's so good. I also like whenever, because Pete always dies. And then they, they thought that, he. They're like, I thought you were dead. And his line. Well, they is, say we saw you take that ninja Death Star, that Chinese Death Star, right in your back. Yeah, and his line is, "That's the thing with your Chinese Death Stars." An hour later, you're alive again. <laughs> I like it so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it's also a little weird, like, because yeah. I mean, it's that Chinese food joke or whatever. Yeah, but like, for sure. Yeah, it's just super weird, and they do that again in this episode. I will say that yes. You could, and maybe somebody for sure call me out on it if it, if this qualifies as like a shitty racial stereotype joke. Right. I think it is a very smart one at sure. least. Yeah, yeah, it's clever. And I was it like, made me laugh. it made me laugh. I could not stop laughing about it because I'm like, that's so dumb. Like yeah. an hour later, you're alive again. <laughs> it, what? It's so stupid. It's so dumb. Uh, Wickwire. They all they're on the trail. They're going to Mexico. This is all flashback. Wickwire has a bunch of Mexican costumes for them, which are terrible. Uh, like very strange. They make me laugh. But there's a line where he says, uh, he like holds up. I made these costumes or whatever. Uh, or no, no, it's not even him. He references the two German, the Schneck girls or whatever, the two German, the muscle girls, the muscle girls. Where he's like, they made these, and then they pick up another one. It's like they made this as well, and it's like a leather bustier, and he's like, quite interesting. Not for this assignment, and just puts it back away. Like I don't know, like John Aston's fucking killing it. By the way, he's having a blast, having an absolute blast. Uh, he's invented essentially a. He keeps talking about how he's invented a, a lighter than airship. He has all this helium. Uh, so I'm like, okay, we're gonna get a blimp coming here pretty soon. Uh, they go down to try to rescue this girl. Pete, of course, just starts shooting fucking dynamite arrows all over the place. He's very bad at his plan. Uh, Shit blows up a bunch. They rescue her. They find out she wasn't really being held hostage. We get to sort of overall plot. And we're getting kind of like, it's basically a Patty Hearst thing. Because it's like, she's the daughter, the heir of a newspaper. Right. Which is Patty Hearst with whatever that organization was. I can't think of it. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, It's not Palestinian, but it sounds like it. It's like the, um, no, it's the Sibianese Liberation Army. Yeah, and yeah. then Patty Hearst being, like, becoming sort of a part of it. Mm-hmm. That idea of Stockholm Syndrome, or yeah. was she not? Oh, or... she, I am not buying that bullshit. No, nah, she, she was, she like, was, she was fucking, like, this is dope. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she was brainwashed bullshit. She got to run in a bank with a machine gun. Yeah, she's, she's like, fucking, I'm having a she good time. clearly having a blast. Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, but it's, like, obviously alluding to that, because it's, like, a newspaper daughter, sure. and, like, yeah. Um, they are eventually all caught, uh, which I, I like the end of this episode. I genuinely enjoy Briscoe and Bowler's friendship very much. For sure. It's um, really developed well and delightful and like, absolutely. it feels it, like all the times the near death experiences feel yeah. earned, feel earned and feel like 
you see how it advances the friendship. So, like, the next time they're even more friendly and closer. Uh, they're basically find out at the end of this trial that they are sentenced to death. They're going to be die by firing squad. And there's a really nice... Well, there's also a moment where we forget where Socrates says the president can't help you politically uh, and, like, pardon you because he can't risk... He can't... Uh, he can't lose like the political clout that would come with that. Yeah, it would um, look bad. It would look really bad. He's trying. He's got to beat off this general who's coming for the presidency. But he is willing to help you escape. He tells they tell him like he's got enough loyal agents that they can come here, break you out, and get you into Mexico. But you'd have to stay in Mexico for the rest of your life. But they turn that offer down, uh, and they're found guilty. And there's this really nice sequence where they're like they're laying in their bunk and Briscoe and Bowler starts like singing swing low sweet chariot. And they have this conversation of like, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to get out of this one. And mm-hmm. do you believe in an afterlife and how Bowler's mom had this little porcelain angel that told him he would you know, watch over you your whole life and then take your hand and lead you to the afterlife. And Briscoe's it, it's, a, it's just like, Briscoe's like, can I catch a ride with you? Mm-hmm. It's just, Okay by me. I was like, I just like, yeah. yeah. It's 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 like, and it also doesn't feel as hokey as it sounds. Yeah. Um. There's two other things I wanted to throw out that we did have to because like, we got to go through it. Please. Um. Another uh, one of the worst and best puns in here is whenever they find out that the girl is actually sleeping with the guy that's supposed to. Have oh, I think her, I know the one. They say. Bowler says, well, maybe she's under duress. Yeah. And Briscoe says, under duress, more like under her, her dress. <laughs> which I can't. I can't. Anyone that thought, like, someday we'll make a pun with duress? Yeah. Like, I think it's so dumb. Oh, um, it's super dumb, but I get, like I was like, oh, And then good, we also good have on you. a scene with Comet playing chess against the professor. Comet's playing chess against the professor. And not just playing chess, but, like... The professor's like, "Oh, you're playing the Illusion Gambit!" Like, the, like, and he, the horse is responding. It's real good. It's delightful. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that very much. Um, everything is in service of quote preventing that lunatic from becoming president. <laughs> I was just, I was feeling a lot of feels when I was watching this yesterday. I was just like, Ugh. understandable. Uh, I thought the firing squad was weird because they're sitting down. Yeah, like they I've have them seen. in like chairs on like a hilltop. It's just strange, but they have this moment of like they're like, "All right, you know, it's been an honor working with you," so on and so forth. And then the firing squad goes off. They fall backwards. Credits. And I was like, "Look, I know they're not dead because there's a part two, but Jesus Christ, that's an effective way to end this episode." Yeah, it was like because so, so, like emotionally, they really handled that the interaction between Bowler and Briscoe leading into their death like they thought they were going to die. Yeah. So it felt really real when he got shot. I was like, oh shit, like I jumped a little bit. Yeah, um, also there's a thing that was like subtle, but while Socrates is walking away crying, there's like a minor turn on the Briscoe County theme song oh. that plays, and I thought that was real dope. Because yeah. there's like the theme song that shows up a lot, and then there's like a minor turn on it that plays right when they're like get shot. And yeah. I was like, oh, smooth composer. Yeah. That was pretty good. Uh, part two opens and they're alive. They have uh, the firing squad was Elvis and Pete and fucking Whip. And they use rubber bullets that Professor Wickwire invented. So they're fine. However, they didn't just like get them the fuck out of there fast enough. So the 
bad guys just show up. And I was like, oh, it's good that they're still alive, but like you could have executed this plan better. For sure. My my note is, oh, okay, I don't entirely understand dot 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 whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's how fine. I felt about it. I was like, okay, whatever. Let's move Let's along. Move on. They gotta <laughs> chase them for a minute. It's fine. Um everyone um, goes their separate ways <laughs> and, and just like separates the team into a bunch of different places. Right. So you've got Whip and Pete and uh Elvis go one way and bowler and the other and bowler and Briscoe go the other. Pete's argument is I've been on the run for most of my life. Uh, you should follow the fleer who's used to fleeing or whatever his line is, which is pretty fun. They are immediately caught. <laughs> the people who follow Pete are immediately caught. Yeah. Uh, there's a in the escape though. Elvis at one point uh, throws dynamite at the people ch- chasing them when they first escape, and he goes, "Have a little hot sauce." <laughs> it's just so dumb. Um, also, by the way. A lot of dynamite in these two episodes. A lot of dynamite. Like, they had whatever the effect piece they need to, like, make an explosion, and they had a bunch of them, and they had to use them up before the series ended. Yeah, because a lot of dynamite at horses. A lot like- of, yeah, throwing six of dynamite at people. Just a ton of dynamite in these two episodes. Um, they get sent to jail, and Briscoe and Bowler are making their way into Mexico to try to find well they're returning the girl to well they've already returned the girl to Mexico I'm sorry they're trying to make their way into Mexico to find the Mexican guy so they can get proof about this plot yeah and then there's also like the big it seems like it's almost like setting up the big bad for season 2 to be the American military like, the, like industrial complex or something. <laughs> I was like I was the big bad like yeah. like corrupt power it and, appears like, to be I was like okay this is interesting I would have liked to see this play out as like them yeah, because there's like rogue. elements within the government, and like the president has his faction that's loyal to him, but the general who's bad has his own people that are loyal to him, and it's all this weird stuff within the army. Uh, yeah, I definitely would have enjoyed that. Uh, the three, uh, like Whip, Elvis, and Pete in jail, is the silliest, weirdest thing going on in this episode, but I really enjoyed it anyway. There's a uh, Pete's trying to say how he's going to get him that we got to break out of here, and he's been in so many jails that he is a connoisseur of penal lodging. To which Whip Morgan goes, "Ah, I'm not with that." Yep, we got another one in another there. Another fucking had a sneak not one into in penal there. Logic. Not not a not a particularly fucking subtle fucking jab this time. Uh, but they then, uh, but there's a line where. Uh, so Elvis starts going, oh, no, this is a... They start naming, like, the designers of various prison cells. And Pete's like, oh, this is a Wilson. And and uh, and Elvis is like, no, this is clearly a Carhartt or whatever the fucking names are. I don't remember. But uh, Pete goes, your moronic interpretation of Huskow architecture. I fu- whoever's writing for Pete, I fucking love. Yeah, Pete... I don't understand why Pete gets written so well. But so much other stuff is garbage. It's, it's flat garbage, yeah. Yeah, because he's so fun. I wouldn't be shocked if he was maybe rewriting some of this shit himself. Ad-libs and yeah, shit, yeah. Because yeah. he's really good. Uh, and also, he like, he's good at selling that character. What does he do now? He's been in a ton of stuff. Mostly TV. But, uh, yeah, he went on to be in, like, I don't know, Suits and all this, like, whatever. But he's, like... You know, six episodes here, whatever arcs there. Okay. But he's I, he had a few episodes on like Agent of Shield. He's been around. I wonder who was on Shield. He's been around. Um, that uh, he's so good. Yes, yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy his work uh, in in the show. Like he's he's fantastic. Yeah, there's a uh, I scoff is one of my favorite lines. I scoff. I, like I love that. Uh, so Bradshaw then gets Terry Bradshaw's character gets sent to go. 
bring uh, the Mexican guy back to America where they will assassinate the president and pin it on him. Yes. They're going to use him as a scapegoat and then also kill Briscoe Bowler and the girl. He's hot. He's brought in all these track. these like this posse who are all other football players. Uh, and like one of them's a famous tracker. One's this one's that. And they're going to use this crew to hunt them down. And they're like, great. But they start doing this bit in this episode that they didn't really do in the first part. Of, like, making everything with them football-themed. Yeah, and then Terry Bradshaw's, like, the coach. At one point, he's like, so what, they're like, so what's the play? And he, like, kneels down and starts drawing, like, a play in the dirt. With, like, X's and O's O's and and shit. Uh, Which might have worked if Terry Bradshaw could act in the slightest. (laughs) But as it is, it is just boring and bad. And then, like, they have shit where, like... At one point, Briscoe and them are running, and there's all these wagon wheels on the ground. And I was like, "Why the fuck is that's weird?" And then what we then we see is the football players show up, and they start running through them like the tires, like yeah, like, football, drills. like drills. Which I was like, "Okay, that's kind of cute, actually." Like that, I didn't realize until that moment that those guys were all football players because I don't know football players particularly from the early nineties. Yeah, just as soon as he started doing the play thing, I was like, "Meh." Alright, yeah. what are we doing here? Am I yeah, going to organize any of these guys? Are we going to do this? And boy, howdy do we do it. Because it keeps coming back. Um, I do like that he asks, am I writing with a bunch of candy apples? Yeah. Rather <laughs> than candy, candy asses. asses yeah. Which I found candy apples to be more fey in a stranger way. <laughs> oh, absolutely Like it was almost fey. like, it's like this like Pee Wee Herman level of like foppishness yeah, that like yeah, really yeah. it really like shook me a little bit I was like, am i writing with a bunch of candy apples like it just seemed weird to me like yeah no it seems like how richard simmons would say exactly you know i mean it's yeah. like it's like this level of foppishness or like fainness that like didn't read correct to me coming out of terry bradshaw's bad acting uh they are pinned that briscoe and bowler get pinned down in this Firefight, the building's on fire, they're on the roof, how are they going to escape? And this set piece is fun. I was like, this is intense. There's a lot of stuff going on, they're getting, like, cat from every angle, they don't know how they're going to make it out. Uh, All of a sudden there's this big noise, what's that noise? Oh, it's an engine. An engine in the sky, bum bum bum, Professor Wickwire in his blimp to the rescue. Yes, which, and they make a big point of it's a helium blimp, it is not a hydrogen, uh, which is great. Which is great, particularly (laughs) since... Wickwire does make a Hindenburg reference early in the first episode yeah. where they show he comes out when they first pick him up he comes out of his bar and he's like like soot and burned all over him or whatever and he's like oh I've been working with like hydrogen for this whatever balloon and he picks up his glasses and he goes oh the humanity just out of nowhere for the, like it's weird um so they rescue him and the, they rescue them in the blimp um <laughs> when they get in the blimp Socrates is there and he's helping him run the blimp because I needed somebody to pass gas for me is the line that fucking Wickwire says. And it's like, oh, that's yeah, real, like, that's, that's real flat. Right? Particularly because Bowler follows it up with, isn't that something you're normally supposed to do by yourself? And, and, and his reply is, I can't. The ship's too big. Yeah, it's like I, okay, I, I get like the fart joke, but then he's playing it straight. It's just very strange, and I do feel like that maybe you have reached the the apex, uh, the highest point of your bowler. It, it, that was that was the yeah. You're, I think you're I think you're like you've really nailed it after twenty twenty six twenty six seven episodes. episodes of whatever this fucking show is. Um, there's a, a a long unnecessary bunch of gags in this blimp. I loved it. So the helium they, gets really. They, they have to release. So the, yeah, they have to release helium in sections of the blimp to keep it from like lilting and turning or whatever. 
Uh, so there's all this helium in the air, and they all start talking like they're inhaling helium. Also, I cannot with Socrates' airman outfit. <laughs> she looked the so little, cute. The little leather, little leather cap and the goggles. He, he was dressed like Amelia Earhart. I was about to say that. I like it so much. It's adorable. He had a little fucking scarf. Oh, he was great. It was adorable. It was good. Uh, um, then there's a weird cut to where... Uh, so they've figured. That, so uh, Elvis and Pete are have uh, uh, opposing ideas of how they're going to escape this jail cell. Pete thinks they have to saw through the bars of the window, and Elvis thinks they're going to have to go underneath. They're going to pull up the floorboards and dig underneath. Yes, they pull up the floorboards. He's right. There's like a like a crawl space that they're going to send whip out to rescue to like get help or whatever. Uh, while he's gone, they cut back to Elvis and Pete, and they're air guitaring dueling banjos. Uh huh. Just back and forth, and then they just start kind of dancing weirdly, and it's a minute. It's like a minute of screen time. I thought it was pleasant. Did not understand it. But <laughs> it I didn't like, make any sense. I it was, was like, funny. Cool. I laughed, and like Elvis starts kind of doing like Elvis gyrations with the air guitar. I laughed, but I was also like, why is this happening? Much like the seat. So when they get out of the blimp, uh, Bowler's ears are all clogged. Uh, they have to. It's like his ears need to pop because of the pressure, the change in the pressure. And uh, uh, Briscoe starts explaining to him how like pressure works and he, how you have, how to clear his ears. And there's a real cute moment where he he tells him do this and he holds he like pinches his nose and blows hard to like blow out his ears. So Bowler reaches over and grabs Briscoe's nose and then he, he laughs at him like <laughs> gotcha. Like I was like oh you guys are fucking cute. It was it was fun. There's also. There's so many weird bits, like, because it has been serious in this, like, episode. It has been a lot. There's, like, a lot of death around, and then also, like, an extended Led Zeppelin gag. Yeah, so there's Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, right. Goodyear Blimp. Blimp. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, like, throwing out these puns in one conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, line after line after line. It's just that. It's real ridiculous. Um, but I still kind of... But then that, 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 that pressure gag, it's, like... This that scene took like a minute to a minute and a half. It takes a while. It's unnecessary, and it it does nothing. It just kind of kills time for Bullet for uh for Socrates to show up. But it's not like they actually had to kill time. They're just on set. He didn't yeah. have to climb down out of the fucking blimp. It's just very strange. Other weird thing with them climbing out of the blimp because they climb down a rope ladder out of the blimp, and everyone that's leaving is wearing a hat, and those <laughs> hats are undisturbed. Sure, very uh, which I understand. Of course, they're not actually in the blimp. But you couldn't have like a fucking PA like brush their hat off or something or like blow them with a fan. Uh, um, There's there's a couple little moments that are not important, but they kind of made me laugh. Where like uh, uh, so they get back to the town, they run into they're like we have to stop the the president is coming to this town. He's gonna go essentially like. And while he's there, the bad guys are going to try to have him killed. Yeah. Terry Bradshaw is dressed up like a Mexican, which means a poncho and a mustache. That's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. Uh, and he's going to show up and kill the uh, the president. Briscoe and Bowler see this coming. Uh, they also run into uh, Elvis, Pete, and Whip, who have escaped from yeah. the jail cell. Uh, they try to escape further, but are immediately caught again. They hide in this like they hide under hay in a in a wagon. And the people, the soldiers, start poking the hay with fucking pitchforks to make sure nobody's in there. And they fucking stab Pete. I've been perforated. Pete goes, I've been perforated. And, like, goes, like, eh. And is supposedly dead. And they're in the other people in the car are like, oh, he's dead. That's, 
I'm going to miss that guy or whatever. And then he's gone. Like, you don't see him again for a while. Uh, until the very end where he just shows back up again, not dead. With a hole in his with shirt. With a hole in his shirt. And he's like, the rumors of my death by perforation have been greatly exaggerated. Which I very much enjoy. It's delightful. Uh, Terry Bradshaw is stopped by Bowler throwing a mini barrel that's shaped like a football in a spiral at his head while he rides by on a horse. Uh, but he does a full-on, like, lick his fingers, drop back, like, full football thing. Uh, it's very dumb. Yeah. It feels very 90s. I feel like 90s were maybe one of our peak moments of, like, really fetishizing and, like, and, like really loving football. For sure. I don't think you would see football players show up like this. and Not just in, like, a regular-ass thing like this that doesn't involve football. Like, that show The League would have football yeah, players they, all, all the time, time. But it's a fucking show about fantasy football. But yeah, it makes you wouldn't sense. see, like, But not just on, like, fucking... Uh, uh, suits, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, or no one would give fucking Peyton Manning that much to do. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They're an integral part of this episode. Yeah, they can get a, a cameo, but not a, yeah, a major part that, of a two-parter series finale. Yeah, could you imagine like Peyton Manning showing up in like Game of Thrones? <laughs> that big fucking potato head with like a fur cape yeah, on. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's so it's so weird. They don't belong there. Like they already make a lot of money doing other things. I don't know. It's like this whole thing red is like weird. Uh there's a moment that is not important but it made me laugh where the two of them are walking and they're like, "Okay, what are we going to do?" And Bowler they they've both been walking around sneaking around the town with their guns out, but then they realize, "Okay, we got to put our guns away and kind of be a little more inconspicuous." So they're walking and talking. Bowler puts his Bowler has his shotgun that he keeps on his back. In one hand and his pistol in the other. He puts his pistol away, and then they're walking and talking, and he spends 30 seconds trying to get that shotgun into his back holster while he's talking. But he's fucking, he's cool with it. He doesn't, like, stop, fidget, whatever. He just keeps having this conversation, but the whole time he's, like, fucking one arm behind his back trying to even find this holster. It's really made me laugh. Uh, the So when, the, when Terry Bradshaw gets caught and uh, Bowler beats him up, the general starts to pull a gun, I guess. He's going to just shoot the fucking president, which seems like a weird plan B because there's a lot of witnesses around. Yeah, and I think it's at that point it's like that's like showing that he's like not just politically minded. He's actually just sort of like erratically evil. Right. He's just like, I am. Yeah. Uh, Briscoe jumps off a horse, tackles the guy, saves the day. Now, the whole thing was that, it bo- that the president said, if they can bring me proof about this plot, then uh, I'll give them a pardon. And they can, you know, they'll be free or whatever. Other than they've caught uh, Terry Bradshaw riding a horse while wearing a Mexican poncho, no one saw him pull the gun. Sure. Like, he only gets, like, an inch out of his thing. The idea is that no one's watching. That's why he's able to get that far. And I don't think wearing a costume is a crime. So they have provided zero proof. They just, like, tackled two guys. I think that it's enough proof that it's just, like, that's a weird thing for Terry Bradshaw character to do. I think they're like, sure, why, why that is he? weird. I yeah. don't disagree. That is very strange. But uh, And I guess maybe there's a lot of witnesses at this point, and to, I don't know. To that. There's just witnesses to yeah. that. It's just very strange. Uh, it was sort of anticlimactic. It was like, oh. Well, yeah, they just got him. There's a, like they and then it's like well, they hit that guy with the barrel. They knock. He, Briscoe tackles the general, and now that, we're wrapping up the show. Wrapping <laughs> up the series. That's it. 
Uh, the president's like, oh, we're so proud of you. What can we do? Like, how can I help? Like, what can I do to rep- repay you? Pardons. Uh, Bowler's like, how about a raise? And everyone laughs. He's like, what's funny about that? Which I fucking side with. I'm like, yeah, no, give them a raise. They sure. saved your goddamn life. Uh, they take a picture with the president, which I laughed at. Bowler does not take his hat off. Like, Briscoe takes his hat off, the president takes his hat off, and Bowler just stands there in his bowler hat, yeah. which I enjoyed. Uh, and then they're like, ah, it's been great. Let's get out of here. We'll be back after a brief hiatus. We'll be back after. They literally say, like, we'll be back. We'll maybe after a brief hiatus. And then, like, uh, Briscoe and Bowler go, ah, and they buck up their horses and they ride off into the sunset. End of Briscoe County Jr. And I will argue, despite all of the homophobic jokes in this, that Briscoe County tells a queer narrative because Briscoe and Bowler leave together at the end. Absolutely. Um, and no girl. No Tipsy's girl. gone. It's just their two. Manly love. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. I think yeah. their friendship is the most realistic. Well, not maybe realistic. I think it's the most optimistic. beautiful and optimistic yeah. relationship of this whole show. For sure. I feel like Dixie's relationship with him is very realistic um, in a lot of ways. And not in sure. all ways, but in a lot of ways. But that that friendship is like the most like, oh, shucks, I want those two kids to make it fucking yeah. thing going on in this show. There's actually a surprising amount of like mature emotional relationships in this show mm-hmm. for being a dumb show about like steampunk westerns. Yeah, absolutely. This I I enjoyed Briscoe County Jr. very much. This it, was a yes. fun show. I'm glad I rewatched it. We could get rid of probably Six or seven episodes. Absolutely. This is this should be a twenty. I, I get twenty two is like the classic structure. It would have been fine. I feel like eighteen to twenty episodes would have been perfect. There's some fat to trim. It definitely goes off the rails a bit post orb storyline. Um, it doesn't have that. It doesn't have that fantastical element. That's what made the show the At most all. interesting. It just there is no supernatural thing afterwards. It's just a western with some a little bit of steampunk. Uh, some elements thriller to elements. It, some thriller elements, but there's no like sci-fi weirdness is what kind of made this show so unique. Yeah. So it definitely, I feel, post the orb story wrapping up is a little disappointing, even though some of those episodes are still fun. Uh, would you recommend people watch this show? Otherwise, for sure, I would say look like if you do get a hold of it, you can definitely stand to like look up like what are the best episodes or sure. like or follow the mythology episodes. Or if you listen to this, yeah. you can tell that like Pick episodes ones we really love yeah. through twenty four weren't great. Sure. Like yeah, absolutely, there was a section that wasn't great, and the rest are actually pretty okay for sure. Uh, I highly recommend people watch this show. I highly recommend you tell your friends to watch this show. I fucking loved it. Uh, again, like I said, there's trap. Bit. Yeah, it's a little annoying on the YouTube. Um, there is like, a, there, it's there. You can watch them all on the YouTube. They're just kind of hard to search for. Daily Motion definitely has them up, uh, labeled by episode name. So if you go to the Wikipedia and search for the name of the episode, you can find it that way. If you um, are a collector or purchaser, it's not that expensive on Amazon. I think sure. it's like twenty five bucks for yeah, the yeah, entire the series. Set. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, what do you got to plug? Um, plug, plug, plug. Uh, this will be out on Thursday. So I will be doing, um, doing Out of Bounds Comedy Festival in Ooh. September. Um, which uh, with a lot of other people, it's a great festival in town. A lot of stuff going on. Um, headlining Sure Thing on August eighteenth. That's awesome. It's a great room. Um, 
this coming week I'm doing or like next week I'm doing Buzzkill. Um, I'm I'm all over because I'm moving to New York in September, so right. I'm kind of doing a little bit of all the shows all over the place. Um, so I don't know, MichaelFolk.com. Uh, you can keep track of me on DeJour on there, which is a great tracking site for events. Awesome. And then listen to Why Aren't You Screaming, my podcast with Nathan Arman and Vanessa Gonzalez. Definitely should do that. Uh, I am at Cap City Comedy Club next week, the 19th through the 22nd, featuring for Mr. Joe DeRosa, which is going to be a blast. Karina Magyar is hosting. That show is going to be fun as That's shit. Very, fun. very excited. Uh, I'm at, if you're in Austin, I'm uh, performing on the Dudley and Bob 25th anniversary show at the Paramount, August 12th, so that's going to be a blast. As always, The Sting is the first Wednesday of the month at King B Lounge. Come out to that. And on our next show, we're getting a little weird. Uh, if you know me, you know, or see me on the internet talking, you know that I am a big pro wrestling fan. And in the early 2000s, MTV dipped their toe into the pro wrestling Market with one season of a show called Wrestling Society X. It's fucking weird. Very fun. Uh, so myself and Aaron Brooks are going to watch that. I you may not be a wrestling fan. I I highly recommend you watch this show. Uh, let me say this: piranhas are involved. Multiple people have been electrocuted. Uh. We've only watched three episodes. It's fucking weird. Zach Wild is around. Okay. It's a very strange. As is Three Six Mafia. Just trust me when I tell you it's going to be a blast. Watch the show. They are all on YouTube. Wrestling Society X, very easily found. And uh, so do that. We're going to have some mini episodes with some uh, some special guests coming in talking about the show as well. So get ready to watch those. Uh, next week, we'll start that with Aaron Brooks. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Do all that good stuff. It really helps us. Uh, tell your friends that helps us as well. Michael Folk, it's been a pleasure. Very nice. Thank you for having me in your home so many times to talk and about this. Anytime. And we will see you next week. Bye.